It looks like lobbying efforts are coming down to the wire. We've finally seen Hello World release its audited results and Clear is making a bid for the hearts and minds of its travel agent members. As always, there's so much happening in the travel sector, so let's get into it. From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper, and this is News on the Fly. The 2020 federal budget was widely seen as a big disappointment for the travel industry, with no direct support or recognition of what we're all going through. However, there's been some signs that the message is getting through to those in power. What are the latest developments here, Bruce? Well, from the point of view of industry lobbying, I think this week it appears that there may be some glimmers of hope. And it's a big change from the pretty much universal feeling of despair after the budget that we talked about recently. AFTA had asked for $125 million in industry-specific support and had also, in the early days, been somewhat dismissive of efforts that others had been making to directly approach politicians because they thought that that might muddy the message. Anyway, that all appears to be in the past now, and this week, along with representations being made directly by AFTA CEO Darren Rudd to MPs in Canberra, where Parliament is sitting, there's also been evidence that all those meetings by individual travel agents across the country with their local MPs are really gaining traction. Yes, and I believe there have been quite a few inspirational speeches in Parliament, in particular from former Prime Minister and Labor Party leader Bill Shorten. Yeah, look, this was quite remarkable and it clearly showed that agents in Shorten's Victorian electorate, I think it's Maribyrnong, have definitely made a difference. And it's really quite a backflip for him because you might expect that Shorten would be really against travel agents, particularly given uh, his rhetoric about Hello World in the lead up to the last federal election where he lost the Prime Ministership. Our listeners might remember that Hello World's links with the Liberal Party were somewhat of an election issue after the company had paid for a Singapore holiday for former Finance Minister Matthias Cormann, you know, an oversight that was, you know, later repaid, but also allegations raised about connections between Hello World CEO Andrew Burns, who of course is a former uh, Treasurer of the Federal Liberal Party, Honorary Treasurer, and Australia's Ambassador to the USA, Joe Hockey. I think Shorten even promised that if he was re-elected, an inquiry into Hello World would be one of his top priorities. However, although his speech in Parliament did mention Hello World briefly, he basically showed a clear understanding of what the industry is going through and urged the government to provide targeted support for small and medium travel agency businesses. It was quite inspirational and he was just one of quite a few politicians to mention the industry this week. On top of that, those two Western Australia travel agent dynamos, Christine Ross Davies and Joe Francis, have managed to get some interest in the industry from Kate Carnell, former pharmacist and chief minister of the ACT, who's now the small business ombudsman. Carnell's initiated a survey of the industry, which Joe and Christine have heavily publicised through social media and, of course, Travel Daily, and it does look like it's really getting some traction. As AFTA keeps telling us, we've got to understand that governments move slowly, far too slowly, given the predicament the industry is placed in due to border closures, but there has been a real sense of rising optimism this week, and who knows, there might even be some good news by the time people are listening to this podcast. Let's hope so. An interesting aside with all this was the figure of $250 million, which was casually dropped into the conversation during Bill Shorten's speech. That's double the $125 million that was in the original AFTA submission. I asked AFTA whether this was just a slip of the tongue by Shorten and got a firm, we couldn't possibly comment. So you never know, maybe there have been indications that the industry might even get more than it asked for. Let's hope so. We all need certainty, and now that everyone seems to be pulling in the same direction, maybe that will be forthcoming. 
And this week, Halliwell Travel Limited has released its somewhat delayed audited figures and annual report. Were there any juicy revelations in there? You know it. As keen listeners to this podcast would remember, some months ago, Hello World CEO Andrew Burns announced that the company's executive GM, retail and commercial, John Constable, had been forced to return to the UK for personal reasons, but we were all reassured it wouldn't have any impact on his role and that he would continue to run the business from all the way across the other side of the world. I hate to say I told you so, well, not really, but at the time I did call BS on all that and predicted that after a few months they'd say it was all too hard and that he was stepping down. And lo and behold... They didn't even bother to make an announcement about it. It was just in the fine print of the annual report, announcing that Constable happened to be no longer with the company. Look, of course I'm gratified to have called it, but I don't really understand what all the secrecy has been about. It's my guess that Constable's been out of the business for some months. Why they couldn't have been more open about it does mystify me. As we all know, loyalty and faithfulness are of key importance to the Australian travel industry, all the more now as we band together to battle our way through COVID-19. I know Hello World really does recognise the importance of long-standing partnerships. The annual report confirms that Constable was the highest paid Hello World executive last year. His package was worth well over a million dollars, much more than Andrew and Chinsia Burns each were paid. So I think everyone would have understood them deciding to cut ties in the current environment. So I don't really understand why they never actually announced they were splitting with Constable. Surely it would have been good to advise their industry partners. Anyway, also on the subject of splits, we've now seen Bain Capital announce they're not going to keep Paul Scarra on as CEO of Virgin Australia, again, despite earlier protestations to the contrary. I think the rubber is going to hit the road for a very much transformed New Look Virgin Australia under Jane Hudlicker's leadership. I guarantee quite a CEO, Alan Joyce, is rubbing his hands together with glee over all that. So yet more interesting times ahead for Virgin, I think. It's definitely going to have a very close eye on the bottom line. Nothing wrong with that. But it's clearly going to be less of a direct competitor for Qantas's premium customer base once borders start to reopen. John Gusich is one of the travel industry's most controversial CEOs. As head of Webjet, he has presided over the growth of the country's only listed online travel agent. And along the way, the company's TV ads really got up the nose of travel agents. So the news that the company was joining after this year was greeted with incredulity. Next week, John has agreed to talk one-on-one with Travel Daily publisher Bruce Piper in a world-first interview being conducted in partnership to the Travel Industry Hub. Registrations are now open for this free, unmissable session taking place at 5pm Sydney time next Wednesday, 28th of October. Sign up now at thetravelindustryhub.com. That's thetravelindustryhub.com. Moving on to cruise news, renewals are coming up for travel agent membership of Cruise Lines International Association, or CLIA, and the organisation has made a concerted effort to make certain that it's providing good value with a new travel agent's reward program. What's behind that? Look, this is really interesting, and particularly in light of the fact that AFTA is not charging membership fees currently, so it got zero revenue, and many other groups such as home-based networks and franchise groups have also waived all their renewals. But CLIA MD Joel Katz told me it's, that's not really an option for CLIA, which relies to a large extent on membership income to keep operating. And he also pointed out that you know they want to show that when it comes to CLIA, you get what you pay for. Of course, in the current environment, nobody's got any money, but CLIA really wants to reinforce that it is providing excellent value. So the $150 odd agent membership now comes with a whole lot of bonus benefits which the organisation's negotiated with its cruise line partners. Incentives, extra commission on bookings, which is all going to provide about 10 times 
that amount back to agents when they make bookings in 2021. But I think it's also going to provide Clear with some clarity about which agents are going to be around for the long term. And that's something that every supplier wants to know at the moment. Clearly the world's going to look really different and all those traditional travel agent consortia relationships are going to change. It's going to be individuals and their travel agencies that drive business. So having a really well-qualified list of people who are able to remain committed to the industry, even to the tune of just paying $150 plus GST in a renewal, is important. To their credit, Claire's also backing the initiative with some marketing in Travel Daily and Cruise Weekly, and I'd really like to publicly show my appreciation for that, because of course we're also doing it tough. So thanks to Joel and your team, we do really do thank you for that, and good on you for putting your best foot forward and believing in the future of cruising, because I know we just can't wait for the industry to get going again. And when cruise does restart, it's going to look very different and not just because of the new health and safety protocols, with P&O this week confirming another departure from its fleet. Just how many ships are going to be around if a local season is able to get up and running? Uh, my call is nine. Uh, yeah, not many, nothing like uh, you know a normal year. Of course, with international cruise ships still banned from local waters, there's no clarity whatsoever about a restart. But even if we could see things going again from, say, 1st of January, let's hope for that, P&O has now shrunk its fleet to just one ship, Pacific Explorer, after announcing the sale of Pacific Dawn and now Pacific Aria over the last couple of weeks. Of course, look, they've got two ships coming, Pacific Encounter and Pacific Adventure, but they're still some way off. So at the moment, there's just the one. Celebrity and, and Azamara announced they cancelled their local seasons this summer. CMV isn't around anymore, and the Norwegian Jewel, which is usually here, was also cancelled months ago. Royal Caribbean is still planning to have a significant presence. In fact, according to their website, they're still going to be deploying Radiance, Serenade, Voyager, and Ovation of the Seas locally over January to April. Princess Cruises has cruises for Majestic Princess, Sapphire Princess, and Regal Princess listed. And we might get the tail end of a season in from Carnival Cruise Line with Carnival Splendor currently cancelled out until early February. So I think that makes a total of nine altogether across those four brands. Look, anyway, if it does get up and running, it's going to be a much smaller season than usual, but anything's better than nothing. So let's keep crossing our fingers, toes and everything else. By all accounts, any cruise line that is putting a product further out for sale is really seeing some strong demand. The Princess World Cruise sold really well. Norwegian is apparently getting strong traction for its local Norwegian spirit season here next year, as well as for Europe. So there's no doubt that heaps more bookings will flow once there's a bit of certainty. Absolutely. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Keep up to date throughout the week with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and from Cruise Weekly. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating. We'll be back next week with more news on the fly.